Well, good morning. It's good to see you here, and uh, we're always excited to be over here in the Jennings Building to worship. We do this once a month. Um, I hope you enjoy it over here as well. But today, if you're visiting with us, we want to welcome you here today. Um, if you are visiting, we'd encourage you to stop by our guest table located in the lobby. You can just go down the hallway there and to your left. We have a, a gift bag we'd love to give you. We'd love to encourage you. We'd also encourage you to fill out a guest card either in your bulletin or you can fill out a card there. We would love to have a record of your visit and know how we could serve you better today. But um, as we begin our service, if you haven't had a chance to shake hands, we're going to encourage you to do that after the service. I'm going to pray for us in just a minute. But I want to begin with this thought. And I've heard somebody say this, and you may have too. It says, remember, no matter what you are going through, if God woke you up this morning, he is not finished with you yet. And today, if you do not have a personal relationship with Christ and you don't have peace with God, understand that this is another day that God has extended grace to you, that you may know him. He has done that in his great love for you. But for those of you who do know him, understand that this is another day for you to know him better and to serve him and worship him and give him the praise that he's due. So as we begin this service today, I think we ought to just begin by saying thank you. So if you would just bow your heads as we go together to the Lord together in prayer and just thank him that he's brought you here today, that he's given you another day to live for him and another opportunity if you do not know him to accept him as your Lord and Savior and just ask him to meet you where you're at no matter what you're going through and as this said earlier you if you woke up this morning if God woke you up he is not done with you yet and he is still at work in your life and thank him for that Father, we thank you that we can gather in this place together as the body of Christ to worship you, to give you the praise that you are so worthy of. Lord, help us to, uh, to hear you today. Lord, may you speak to us. Meet us where we're at. For those who may have run from you, I pray that today that they'd understand that you are calling to them, and that you are ready to meet them, and that they would turn back to you. And for those of us who worship you day in and day out, sometimes we just kind of get in a rut. May this be a fresh day to worship you and to give you the praise that you're due. Lord, show us what you want to change in us. And Lord, may this truly be a special time of worship as we give you the praise that you're worthy of. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and let's worship together.
come to this time in prayer. This is the time we set aside in our service that we can gather together as a church family. You can come as an individual or you can come with your family and we can lift up our request to the Lord in prayer. It's amazing how the Bible often says this. God told Jeremiah or God said through Jeremiah, call unto me and I will answer. Jesus said this through uh, his, his brother James, you have not because you ask not. So many times in the Bible God says come and call and ask. If you have spiritual needs, emotional needs, physical needs, 
give those to Jesus this morning. I would encourage you to pray for this service today. So as the praise team leads us in this song, if you will, uh, meet me here at the altar and let's pray together. with me. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you so much that we can pray. Lord, that you hear us. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we realize that, Father, you can answer any and all prayers. So, Father, we have members of our congregation, Lord, who have great spiritual needs. And, Lord, I'm so thankful you can feel those. Father, they have emotional needs. Lord, many have physical needs. Father, we're so thankful you're the great physician. Father, we pray that you touch and heal, deliver, bless, Lord, according to your will. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship together this morning, Lord, and we pray that your spirit would be abundantly felt. Father, we pray that you would convict, change, convert for your honor and for your glory. And we pray that we, we would leave here today, Father, saying that we met with you. Lord, I pray that you administer to each and every one of us, Lord, and that, Father, we'd leave here just being conformed into the image of Christ for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lay down your
Well, we're starting a series this morning in the book of Jonah, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Jonah chapter 1 and stand with me. And while you're finding your place there, um, I'd like to mention that tonight's worship service will be in the sanctuary, of course, and we'll have a business meeting tonight. It'll be a quick business meeting, kind of more of a formality. We don't have a lot to go over, but it's something that we need to have. Um, Think about this. Are you running from God or have you run from God? And I thought about different areas we can run from God. Of course, Jonah is running from God's call to go serve in another nation. Okay, He was the first uh, prophet ever to be called to go to another nation. Are you running from a sin issue in your life as a Christian? Okay, You could be here like I did for many, many, many months, almost a year when I was under conviction. I was running from salvation. And then so many of us in the Christian life, God has called us to do something, and we run from God's service. I would say, I would say a large majority, a majority of us who have been called to do something, at first, we ran from it, probably, more than likely. I know I sure did. So uh, there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. Notice what verse 1 says. We're just going to read three verses this morning. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. That great city and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down. Notice, he went down. When you run, you always go down. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, you always go down. Do you hear me? When you run from God in whatever area I've talked about, you go down. You never go up. Things never get better. It has nothing to do with your bank account or, or what your address is. You always, always go down. Do you get the picture? When you run from God, you go down. Notice, Jonah went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And how many of you know that you cannot, and Jonah know this as well, you cannot run from the presence of the Lord, can you? You cannot. So I ask you this morning, are you a runner? I've been a runner. I was a runner when I was lost. I was a runner after I got saved. And when I said yes to Jesus in both of those areas, it's amazing. The peace, the comfort, the purpose that you have that only God can give you. The world can't give you that. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, I hope I'm not looking at runners this morning. Father, your plan is perfect. Your will is perfect. Lord, you're probably not going to call any of us to go to Nineveh. But Lord, whatever your call is in our life, that's the most important thing for us. Father, I bet that there are Christians here today who've been battling with sin, but they're running from their responsibility to give it up. Father, there are people here today that have come to this church Sunday after Sunday, like I used to do as a young teenager in early 20s, and they're lost and they've been running from their call to be saved. Lord, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And then, Lord, so many of us run from service. We, we feel like our plan is better. That somehow we'll have peace in our plan. That somehow we'll have purpose in our plan. That somehow we'll have prosperity in our plan. And Lord, it never happens. Lord, when we live our own way, no one gets saved. You're not glorified. Father, I pray that we just stop running and trust you. It's a matter of trust in every one of these areas. Lord, I pray that we would learn from Jonah these next four to five weeks. Father, we have so much to learn in such a small book. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said together. Amen. Thank you. Maybe see this amazing. Jonah is about is really less than fifty verses. One scholar says this: in less than fifty verses of scripture, there is a storm at the sea, the conversion of idolatrous sailors, a miraculous rescue, a song of praise, the repentance of a brutal nation, 
The unique revelation of God's relationship to unbelieving Gentiles, a disobedient Jew, and God uses all sorts of non-human creations, the wind, a fish, a vine, a worm, and cattle. And in many ways, Jonah is a microcosm of God's relationship and sovereignty over all the creation, all kingdoms, and all histories. But when you think about facts about Jonah, listen to some of these facts. This was the greatest national revival ever recorded after the shortest sermon ever preached. And all of God's people said, just hurry up and get done, all right? That's what Jonah, it was a short sermon. And what you see here is the incredible mercy of God toward a wicked pagan nation. A lot of people m miss that. The Ninevites, and I'm going to show you this morning, were wicked. You would not want to go to, to preach to them. It would be like going to Iran and talking to ISIS. Worse than that. They were probably the most cruel people to ever live. And I'll show you, we're going to show you historical facts is what I'm going to show you this morning. Okay, it's not, it's not theory, it's just historical facts. It's very easy to find. Jonah was the first missionary in human history sent by God to a Gentile nation, and he's the only prophet on record sent to a heathen nation with a message of repentance. But who was Jonah? Jonah was a prophet. He was in the court of Jeroboam II, who reigned in the northern kingdom about 750 years before the birth of Christ. Jonah had already delivered a rather famous prophecy, if you'll show it on the screen which had been fulfilled. So what God had done in Israel, he told Jonah, this is going to happen. You tell the people and then it's going to happen. So he was revered in Israel. Jonah was well known in Israel. People loved Jonah in Israel because God spoke through him and it happened. Notice on the screen, God restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke through his servant Jonah. So Jonah was well known. God had not only spoken through him about a prophecy that was going to happen, but it happened. Okay? One scholar says this, these verses collaborates the time and place of Jonah's ministry. Second Kings even mentions his hometown, his hometown up there, which would become known later in the days of Christ as Galilee. And he said this, imagine this, the prophet whose biography would provide an illustration for Christ's resurrection. Jesus said, just as the Son of Man was in the earth, like Jonah was in the belly of the whale. He's a picture of Christ's resurrection. He was prophesying the same neighborhood where Jesus would later live and preach. Jonah prophesied during the ministry of Hosea and Amos, and it was very likely that he was trained by Elisha. One scholar, J. Sidlow Baxter, said this, Jonah would have been the leading prophet among the school of prophets when Elisha was nearing the end of his remarkable ministry. He was one of the most revered prophets of all time, so much so that Peter and Andrew's dad's name were Jonah. When Peter made the great statement of faith and Jesus said, On this rock I'll build my church, he said, Simon, son of Bar-Jonah. Son of Jonah. Your dad's name is Jonah. Everybody wanted the name Jonah. Okay? So Jonah was well known. And three facts about Jonah we'll look at this morning. First one was this. Jonah was a true prophet of God. Notice first one. Now the word of the Lord came. That's very important. Anytime you see that in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord came to a prophet. Whenever we read the word of the Lord came to someone, it was a standard phrase that marked a true prophet. There were many false prophets. People would prophesy, God said, God said, and God says, I never said that. But the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It meant something was about to happen. Something was about to change. God was speaking, and he was going to speak through another person. He was going to speak through a prophet. We're not even told how the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It might have been a drink. We don't know. God may have just spoke to him, but it came. Now, notice his name, Jonah, there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. In the Hebrew, that word means dove. And that's very important because listen to what Scholar says. He says, often children of believing Hebrews would be named after animals in the hope that the child would grow up to exhibit everything good about its best characteristics. The dove was known for gentleness, harmlessness, flight, 
and most significantly, peace. Ever since Genesis 8:11, when the dove flew back to Noah with an olive branch or leaf in its mouth, the dove became a symbol of hope and peace. In fact, to this day around the world, the phrase to extend an olive branch is used to symbolize the offering of peace. Whenever the dove is seen on flags, emblems, or banners, it is in flight, which signifies its role as a messenger. This is a man whose name was a symbol of peace, sent as a messenger to extend the olive branch to a nation headed for destruction. Jonah the dove is about to be commissioned by the emperor of heaven to serve as an ambassador of peace. And then his last name is Amittai, which comes from the name which means amen, which is a confirmation of truth. So when you see this first verse, the Jews would understand that the word of the Lord came to the son of peace, who is also the son of truth, Jonah. Jonah would deliver the truth to a pagan nation on the brink of disaster, and he would literally live out his name. You can have peace with God if you believe the truth. And Jonah is to speak the truth in love to this pagan nation that did not want to hear it. So he is a true prophet of God. But notice the second thing here is the call of God, which is very important. God's call to Jonah was very specific, and it was very pointed. A lot of us, we just know to go. God told Jonah what to say, where to say it, when to say it. Very specific. Sometimes in your life, God is very specific. Sometimes God is kind of like a compass. Sometimes he's like a GPS, right? Sometimes he told Abram, go, and I'll show you what you must do. To Jonah, he says, you go to Nineveh and you cry out against them. Now, when you think about some of the most dangerous jobs in the world, you think about policemen, military, linemen, but you know, I, I, I researched this, and some of the most dangerous jobs in America today, you know the fifth most dangerous is people who recycle material and they, collectors, recyclable material collectors. About 31 people die each year just doing this. I don't know how they do it, but they die. Number four are roofers. Over 101 people will fatally die in America this year, according to surveys, because they're roofers. And we can understand that because they're so high up. Number three are aircraft pilots and flight engineers. Now, I thought this was odd because we never have plane crashes. Aren't you thankful? But they say this because of overexertion and bodily reactions. They die due to accidents while in transit. I mean, they trip. I don't understand this, but that, that's a dangerous job. Number two are fishermen and related fishing workers who are out in the open sea. About 86 deaths per 100,000 workers. And then the most dangerous job in America right now are loggers. About 135 per 100,000 workers die each year. But in Jonah's day, the most dangerous job without a doubt, and there was no second, was that of a prophet. Think about this. Elijah had a contract out on his head. We'll look at that tonight. We talk about angels' ministry to believers. Okay? Elijah, Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah says, God, you just kill me. Jeremiah was beaten in prison several times, thrown into a well in which he sank up to his waist in the mud and was left to die. Daniel was thrown to the lion's den. Think about that, how dangerous it was to be a prophet. Nehemiah was even threatened with his life after moving to Jerusalem. In fact, at one point, he and his men worked at the wall restoration with one hand while using the other hand to hold spears and swords to fight off the enemy. It was a dangerous job. There was literally nothing more difficult or dangerous at that time than obeying the will of God. Why? Notice this. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and crowd against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Look at that word, wickedness. You could paraphrase it this way. They smell to the highest heavens. In other words, God is saying this. Jonah, Nineveh has become a city of sinful sewage. The stench has reached heaven. Get up your prophet's scare and deliver a message to clean it up. Notice this. Arise and go to Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. Notice this picture on the wall. 
are on the screen. This is how big Assyria had got between 900 and 607 B.C. The most powerful nation on the planet. And if you'll see Israel there and then look up to the, the northeast, you basically see Nineveh. Okay? And what, what God tells Jonah is you leave Israel where you're so popular and go to Nineveh and I want you to deliver my message to this pagan nation. The empire this king would rule would stretch from the Persian Gulf to the borders of Egypt. Listen to what Nahum said. It's not going to be on the screen, but listen to how Nahum described uh, Syria and the Ninevites in that day. He says, what sorrow awaits Nineveh, the city of murder and lies. This is Nahum 3, verses 1 through 5. She is crammed with wealth and is never without victims. Hear the crack of whips, the rumble of wheels, horses' hooves pound, the chariots clatter wildly. See the flashing swords and glittering spears as a charioteer's charge past. There are countless casualties, heaps of bodies, so many bodies that the people stumble over them. All this because Nineveh, the beautiful and faithless city, mistress of deadly charms, enticed the nations with her beauty. She taught them all her magic, enchanting people everywhere. I am your enemy, she says, to the, lords of, to the Lord of the heaven's armies. And now I will lift your skirts and show all the earth your nakedness and shame. So God said through Nahum, I will punish Nineveh. One scholar says this about Assyria and especially Nineveh. The Ninevites were demon-worshipping, immoral, brutal, unmerciful people, perverted people. They boasted their cruelty, excavated records, brag of live dismemberment, often with one hand left attached so they could shake, shake the hand of the person before they died. So they would cut off one arm and leave the other arm so you could shake their hand before they killed you. That's how they were. It was awful. They made parades of heads requiring a friend of the deceased to carry the head elevated on a pole. Ninevites boasted of their practice of stretching live prisoners with ropes so they could easily be skinned alive. Now notice this quote from excavated history. One Assyrian king boasted of his cruelty when he recorded these excavated words. And he says this. This is historical documents. I flayed the skin from as many nobles as had rebelled against me and draped their skin over the pile of corpses. I burned their children. I captured many troops alive. And cut off their arms and hands, noses, ears, and extremities. Anybody want to go to Nineveh? You're probably praying, God, just burn them, right? God says, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against this wickedness. Now notice this picture on the screen. This is, this is a, a picture. It was a custom of Ninevites to gouge out the eyes of their prisoners or to put hooks in their noses to humiliate them by leading them around like cattle before killing them. This is in a historical museum. Notice the next picture. The Ninevites would also impale their captives alive and set them on fire, a practice Nero would adopt centuries later for Christians, covering them with tar, making them living torches to light his garden party. So Nero got his uh, ideas about crucifixion and setting people on fire from really the Ninevites. And then notice this third picture here. Even the hinges on the gates of the city of Nineveh, which have been discovered to pick the cruelty of these people to captives, Ninevites were proud of the terror they would strike in the hearts of their enemies. They were proud of the reputation of being unmerciful. History records it. Wicked city. Probably some of Jonah's own family and friends had been killed by the Ninevites, the Assyrians. But I want you to notice three things about God's call. Look again in verse 2. This is what he says. God's call, and three things about God's call every time, it is specific. And this is what God told Nineveh. Here, or Jonah, here's my method. I want you to cry out against it. I want you to yell out against the people when you get there. Scream at them, cry out at them, do it. Notice the place, Nineveh. There is no question where Jonah was supposed to go. 
Absolutely, positively, no question. You go to Nineveh. You don't go anywhere else. You go straight to Nineveh. And then this is the message. Repent or die. Or turn or burn. However you want to say it. That is your only message to them. Repent or die. And then the second thing is this. God's call is honest. Notice what he says. These people are wicked, perverted, and moral killers. God gave Jonah no guarantees. He didn't say when you go there, they're going to love you. They're going to welcome you. He says you just go and you scream out against the city. It's wicked. God gave Jonah no guarantees and he was honest about it. And then the third thing is this. And this is, this is what you've got to understand about your own life. God doesn't care about your feelings. He doesn't care what you think. You think God's going to give you and him a boat on his call in your life? You think God cares? Notice what God didn't care. He didn't care about whether Jonah felt good about it or not. He didn't care whether Jonah wanted to do it or not. He didn't care whether Jonah agreed with God or not because he didn't. He didn't care if Jonah thought the Ninevites were worthy or not. He didn't care if Jonah was uncomfortable or not. He didn't care if Jonah was scared. He didn't care if Jonah was happy. God's call and commands do not care about your feelings. I despise public speaking. Despised it. Hated it. The number one fear in life, they say, is not death, but public speaking. And I can attest to it. I despised it. Did not want to do it. And then God says, you're going to preach. And I said, I don't want to. God says, I don't care about your feelings. I do not care. Let me tell you something. You say, well, I don't feel like doing it. So does that matter? Jonah didn't feel like it. Jonah did not want to do it. God does not care about your feelings. God's plan is best. Do you trust him or not? Do you trust him or not? The greatest revival in history through the shortest message in history came through a man who did not want to go. Imagine what God can do in your life if you'll let him. God does not care about your feelings. It has nothing to do with it. Absolutely, positively nothing to do with it. So when you feel like God's leading you to do something, you say, well, I don't want to do it. Well, so what? <laughs> By nature, we don't want to do anything. By nature, we're spiritually lazy. By nature, we're spiritually introverted. By nature, that's what we are. But if God calls you, it's really a command to Jonah, I would encourage you to do it. Notice, notice the, the third thing here about Jonah, and this is the most important thing here, is that Jonah runs from God. Notice, but Jonah, but Jamie, but Wesley, but Scotty, but, but, but Jonah. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship. You're always going to find transportation when you want to leave God's will. Always. And found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You know what Jonah was really running from? Because Jonah understood the Old Testament. He understood God's omnipresence. You can't leave the presence of the Lord. You know what he was running from, really? He was running from service to God, and he was running from being a prophet. He says, I quit. Jonah literally quit on this day. He says, I'm done being a prophet. I quit. Now, notice where he went. Notice this on the screen. This is a picture up here. If you'll notice that red line, I know it's hard for you to see. But notice where the red line starts. That's Israel. The green line is Nineveh, and then Jonah, which is east. And then Jonah goes as far west. You, you know where Tarshish was? As far west on the map that they had at the time. As far as they were concerned, there was nowhere beyond Tarshish. So what Jonah is saying is this, I am going to go as far as the map has away from God's calling in my life. 
I'm going to run. I'm not just going to run. I'm going to run as far in the opposite direction as I can go from the Lord. Because I do not want to do what God has called me to do. Tarshish was located on the coast of Spain. It was in the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. In fact, Tarshish was considered the most western spot on the known world. Jonah is going as far away from the service of God as he possibly can. Think about that. Where are you right now in your life and what has God called you to do? Think about it. As far as God's calling you to service, where are you at right now in your life and where, what, where, what has God called you to? I mean, think about that. You know, when I was living in disobedience to the Lord, I saw people preaching in the pulpit I was supposed to be preaching in. It could have been like that forever. Could have been like that forever. Okay? Think about where God has called you to and where you're at right now. Are you any better than Jonah? Now think about this from, from, from the lessons of Jonah and we'll be done. The first one is this. Whenever we run in disobedience to God, we're running in the wrong direction. Always. You're always in a place that you shouldn't be. Always. You're never in the right place. Ever. Listen, if it's a sin issue in your life, you're never in the right place ever. Men, look at me. If you have an issue with cheating on your wife, you're always going to find that other lady always, unless you deal with it. Always. Every time. Phone number. Uh, you'll show up at a certain place. You know that that person is going to be there. You'll always be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Always. Every time. Every time you will be. Okay? And if you're running from God's service, you'll always be in a place you ne you're not supposed to be. Always. And you'll never have peace about it. Jonah was in the wrong direction. Secondly, whenever we run in disobedience to God, we always pay a higher price than we planned. Alexander White noted a generation ago in his commentary, he says, No booking clerk in Joppa could have told Jonah what it was actually going to cost him to get on board that ship. Running from God is a costly affair. And Jonah paid the fare. Remember the old, song, old saying? Sin will take you farther than you ever want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you ever want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. Think about that. Jonah never got his refund ticket back. Ever. And then the final thing is this, and we'll close. When we run in disobedience to God, Satan will be happy to arrange the transportation. Every time. Every time Satan will arrange the transportation. When God was dealing with me for ministry, all right, I was making more money than I'd ever made at the time in a place where I liked. I was a part-time student pastor. We had just had uh, one of the best seasons of ministry I've ever had. We were top 50 in the state in, in teenage baptisms at a church where you pass more cows than people. And I was a part-time student minister. If they didn't like it, I could quit. All right? When you're, when you're, and then God's calling me to go to full-time ministry, and I said, why? Why would I do it? Why would I do it? Why would I do it? I got the best of both worlds. And then, then the place where I work gave me a raise and get up my bonus each week. And then God says, you're not where I want you to be. You're not where I want you to be. That was my transportation that Satan provided. You're not doing what I've called you to do. I was never, never, never at peace when I would punch in the clock. And I loved working there. Didn't bother me one bit. I said, God, I'm content doing this the rest of my life. Okay? And God says, no, no, no. And I want to tell you, I was the most miserable person on the planet. You know why? Because I was living as a Christian who had a success, su successful youth ministry. 
I, I was successful in, my, in the work that I was doing, but, but I was living in sin because I was not doing what God asked me to do. And to this day, I wonder what I would have missed out on. All the things I would have missed out on if I would have stayed in that state. Okay? It was really, it was kind of like false to me. All right? So let me ask you a question. Are you running from God's service this morning? God's not going to call most of us to preach or teach, aren't you thankful? But are you running from God's service? Listen, Christians, are you running from a sin issue? Are you? Are you running from a sin issue that you've been playing around with for, for years, for years, that you will not give up? And the Holy Spirit of God has convicted you and convicted you and convicted you. And up to this point, look at me, look at me, you've got by with it. Up to this point, you've gotten by with it. Payday comes. Payday will come. You reap what you sow. But you know what's the amazing thing about Jonah? Jonah, God also provided the transportation whenever he repented. And I would encourage you to repent today. And then the final thing is this. I remember when I was lost, and the Holy Spirit of God kept dealing with my heart. Every time I went to church, I, was under, I felt like I was being drawn to God. And I would fight it and fight it and fight it. And when I would leave church every Sunday... There was this amazing letdown. But my life got gradually worse and worse and worse and worse. You just try to sin more to get away from salvation. How foolish is that? How foolish is that to try to fight God? So are you running from God this morning? I would encourage you to say yes to salvation. I would encourage you to repent of the sin that's in your life. Repent of it now. This may be your warning. And then if you're here today and God's calling you to service, do you really think your plan's better than his? It's not. Learn from Jonah this morning. Learn from your pastor. I've been in all three areas, friends. And I want to tell you something. Walking with Jesus is the best thing. Say yes to Jesus this morning. Stand with me, if you will. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're not going to give a long invitation. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I would just say this. If you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. What Sunday is going to be your day if it's not today? You've ran this far. Stop running from him. He loves you. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then if you're here this morning, Christian, man and woman, teenager, that sin issue you've been getting by with for so long, stop running because one day you're going to have to pay a heavy price. You always go down and down and down and down. The Bible says to repent of your wickedness. Repent and God will forgive. And then Christian here this morning, listen. You think you're going to be happy living your own way? You're not. Say yes to whatever God's called you to do. Say yes to it. Stop running from it. And experience the joy and peace that comes with it. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. This is your time. These are your people. Lord, thank you for these first three verses of Jonah. Lord, we've all been in this verse, these verses, all of us, at some point or the other. And Father, I pray that we would just have freedom this morning and peace by saying yes to you. Father, give us victory and deliverance through that. Father, there are people here this morning, Lord, I don't know their situation, but Lord, they're dealing with a sin issue. And Jesus, it's just going to get worse. Holy Spirit, convict and, and convict and convict. And, Lord, draw and change them. And, Father, if there's anyone here lost this morning, Lord, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And, Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. As the praise team leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. Come.
everyone for being here this morning. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ or if you want to talk about these other issues I talked about, your staff is here. We love you and we'd be more than happy to talk with you about that. You can talk with us about that after the service or sometime this week. Our numbers are in the bulletin and just contact us. I want to remind you we're on a regular schedule tonight. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday afternoon and hope to see you back tonight for worship. You're dismissed. Thank you.